0: Well, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, my sermon today is about the Lord's Prayer, and I'd like to teach you a lot of things about it, and I, I've been thinking about this for at l- least l- the last three years, so I, I've taken a sermon that I did three years ago, and I've retooled it because I've learned a lot more things in three years about the Lord's Prayer. So... Have you ever wondered if Jesus used a model for his prayer? Did Jesus use familiar religious symbols to model his new prayer? That should be a slide today, and it's not up there yet, but that's okay. So with this, you know, how many of you think that Jesus used something that was familiar to the disciples when he did the Lord's Prayer? Let's see a show of hands. Okay, how many of you think he used something that was not familiar? Let's see your hands. And how many of you don't know? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) all right. So we're going to show you this little video clip to help you make a decision. Did Jesus show them something that was familiar or unfamiliar? So let's let's watch the clip. This is Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Uh, He is at his mom and dad's prom. Okay, for those of you who have seen the movie, you recognize that when Marty plays the blues and Chuck Berry and all that stuff, everybody's dancing. But when he goes crazy, you know, with this new beat, everybody's just standing there looking at him, okay? So the dancers in his day, at least mom and dad, what they were familiar with, they resonated with. But what was unfamiliar, they just stood there and froze. So hopefully from that clip we would have seen is that Jesus would have used something that would have been familiar to his disciples. So there's a prayer in the synagogues in Jesus' time called the Kaddish. It's up here for you. So exalted and hallowed be his great name, and the world, which he created according to his will, may... He let his kingdom rule in your lifetime. So you, you, you begin to see the first part of the Lord's Prayer in, in a common prayer that would have been prayed in the synagogue. So, so when we begin to, to look at all this, his disciples would have said, okay, well, you just kind of changed it a little bit because what Jesus does is he uses the word our Father, which is in heaven. So that talks about a familiar If you will presence that God is our father not only Jesus father but but also our heavenly father and when Jesus uses the word our he takes us back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve I mean God was their father and you and I have had a mother and a father they helped in procreation so we call them mom and dad so our father which is in heaven by the redemption of jesus christ by his blood shed upon the cross brings us into god's family once again not by what we do but by everything that jesus has done on our behalf by his death on the cross and by his resurrection we understand is that it's true God has reconciled himself to humanity, and once again, he calls us his children. So with that, let's look at the first uh, petitions. There are seven petitions. I'd like to look at the first part of it. There are three petitions that, that go about what we're doing for God. Okay, so hallowed be thy, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So these three petitions basically sum up the first part of the great commandment. And the great commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. Can you do that with me? Say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. Okay, so you got the first part of the great commandment. And that's exactly what these three petitions are doing is loving God with all you have, putting him first and foremost in your lives. When you make decisions, you make decisions based upon your relationship with your heavenly Father through the blood-bought offering of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit creating faith in your hearts. So the last four petitions basically is about us. Okay, so give us this day, our daily bread and Jesus' day. They, they worked and they got paid right away. Okay, so there was not, you didn't have to wait till Friday. You got paid right then and there. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Does anybody have a problem with that part of the Lord's Prayer? Forgiveness? Okay, you don't think so. Okay, Let, let's go on, the last two petitions on that. But deliver us from evil and give us this day our daily bread. So we got, we shouldn't have that last one in there. It was already in there. But the whole concept here is that the last part of the Lord's Prayer is the second part of the Great Commandment. Love your neighbor. I use my hands to show I'm trying to reach out to grab as you love yourself. So can you say that part with me? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So let's see if we can do the entire uh, great commandment. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. See what you've learned today? You've learned a great commandment that's found in Matthew chapter 19. So when we begin to look at all of these things, you saw, did you see in our reading today, It says, deliver us from the evil one. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Not just evil, but evil one. See, this word can be translated as evil composite or specifically the evil one meaning Satan. So the Roman Catholic Church, the western part of the church, uses evil, which we have followed since uh, Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic. And... The Eastern Orthodox Church, which was in Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul, Turkey today, uses the term evil one. Okay, so that this is very common in the Eastern Orthodox Church, but in the Western Church, which we are, we just use evil. Also in this is that there's a doxology that has been added to the Lord's Prayer, because in Matthew chapter 6, it, be, it, it it, can, it basically ends with deliver us from evil. That's it. So if you go to Roman Catholic Church today, it stops right there. But if you go to the Eastern Orthodox Church, it has the end of the doxology. "For where thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And, and this is a model that is used from the Old Testament that added the doxology from 1 Corinthians 29, 10 through 13, David is praying for the future temple that will be built. And and this is some of the words that he uses. Uh, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Praise be to you, Lord God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. Now, our God, we thank, give you thanks, praise, and glorify your name. So you begin to see is that the model that we have, that we have adopted, is the doxology added to the Lord's Prayer. And basically that comes from the 1520s, the 1560s, when we were protesting, so that's why we're called protestants we are protesting against the roman catholic church and and so this is then added to it so when we look at these four petitions about us love your neighbor as you love yourself i ask you which one is the hardest of them to keep well i don't know about you but do we live in a world of unforgiveness I mean, cruelty, uh, there's no inclination towards reconciliation. Is unforgiveness only an issue in our society or is it an issue in the church? Is it an issue in your family? Is it an issue with you? I I mean, how how well do you forgive others as you have been forgiven? You see, the concept is, is that if we would actually see our sin magnified before us each and every day, and God's grace magnified each and every day, that he forgives us when we ask, that's that model from the unmerciful sinner, is is the, the unmerciful servant, is that he owed millions of dollars to the king, and the king forgave him. And then uh, he goes to a fellow servant owes him a couple hundred, and he throws him in jail. You see, the concept is if we don't forgive others, we're like that unmerciful servant. And what did Jesus call him? Wicked. Now, I, I don't think that we look at ourselves as wicked, do we? We, we? we compare ourselves to others, and you know I'm pretty good. But when you compare yourself to God, who is perfect, None of us are perfect. So if you really think you're really good, just talk to somebody who knows you real well, and they will tell you your faults. You, you begin to understand how it works, right? None of us are perfect. Not one of us here. And that's why we have Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So the deadly consequences of forgiveness. C.S. Lewis wrote these words Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Okay, so that slide did not get up there. But how about that? Forgiveness is a nice idea until you have to forgive somebody. Okay, and then it becomes real. So did you know that there's actually forgiveness therapy? There really is. There, there are doctors and people that will teach you how to forgive so from the therapist aid manual i would read this forgiveness is a process where someone who has been wrong chooses to let go of their resentment and treat the wrong wrongdoer with compassion forgiveness does not mean forgetting or condoning the wrongdoing granting legal mercy or reconciling the relationship You can forgive a person while in no way believing that their actions were acceptable or justified. So the example I would use is Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I I will already admit that. But I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer either, but I'm in the drawer okay i'm in the family of god by grace you are too it's god loved you so much that he sent jesus into your life your world so that you would receive grace and forgiveness that's the gospel of jesus christ so when we begin to think of all this stuff What words does Jesus add after he teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer? These are the words. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now there's a qualifier right there, is it not? Is that since we have been forgiven... We should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And loving your neighbor means forgiving your neighbor. And it's also asking your neighbor to forgive you when you have sinned against your neighbor. In Ephesians chapter 4, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Have you ever gone to bed angry with your spouse? I have. You know, that's sin. That's giving the devil a foothold in your heart. Okay? Not a good thing. I mean, didn't we make vows when we came together to love our spouse as we love ourselves? But if we really boil down sin, sin is selfishness. You know, we're always thinking about ourselves. And and let me give you this illustration. When you're driving the car down I-20, who are you thinking about? The other person in the other car? Or are you thinking about what you have to accomplish today? And when a person's driving slow in front of you, what do you do? Go buy them because they haven't met your needs, your agenda. You see, we're all selfish to a greater or lesser extent. So fellowship with the Father. See, forgiveness by God is not earned. Okay, We don't earn forgiveness. Jesus earned it for us. But there's a process where you cannot have fellowship with your Heavenly Father, and this fellowship is interrupted only by the tarnish of sin that affects us all. Okay, so we're way past where this slide is there today. So, relationship with our Father. So, do you remember when you were a child and you did something wrong? Was your parent happy with you because you did something wrong? No, I mean, they had to discipline you. Did your parent stop loving you when they disciplined you? No, they didn't. So our Father never stops loving us, but we hurt our relationship with our Heavenly Father when we are unwilling to forgive someone else okay so when you begin to see of all these things it's important that we understand loving our neighbor as we love ourselves someone has written the heaviest burden a person will carry in life is a grudge you all know what a grudge is right we've had them in our lives Sometimes we've gotten past them. Sometimes we just continue to carry them. And we want that pound of flesh or more from that other person who has wronged us. And probably you at times have wronged someone else, and that person wants something from you just as well. So I want to teach you how to forgive as you have been forgiven today. And this is from Luke chapter 6, 27 and 28. So, would you read this with me together? But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Okay? I prayed these two verses for two years because I held a grudge. I'm a German. I'm good at holding grudges. You understand that, right? But you don't have to just be German to hold a grudge because that's universal. So this is how I prayed these verses. I prayed them backwards. Okay, so let's have that last slide come up. And the first thing I did is I prayed for the person that I had the grudge against. And I have to tell you, at first praying... Prayer was really short. (laughs) It was hard to pray for somebody you're angry with. You understand that, right? But the more I prayed, the longer I could pray for that person. And then I began to pray for blessings for my enemy. And, And Lord, I'm telling you, that's tough because I'm still angry, I've still got my grudge. But, you see, my problem is, is that I, I don't see the log in my own eye. All I have focus is on the speck in the other person's eye. So as I continued to pray, I began to see the log in my eye. You see, I wasn't wronged as much as I thought. Actually, I helped in the equations because I had a part in it just as well. I was not the innocent victim. I began to see that as I prayed for blessings. And when we had a discussion and and this person's name came up, I spoke well of them. I was doing good on their behalf. So that, that should give us something, an idea too, is that when you hear somebody berating somebody else, and as a Christian, what should you do? You speak up on their behalf because they are not there. They are absent. And your role as a Christian is to do good to all people. The Eighth Commandment. That's what you're talking about. Love your enemies. What happened after two years? That person wasn't my enemy. I didn't talk to him in two years. But God changed me. God showed me how to forgive because I was forgiven. Forgiveness is a gift that you can give somebody else. So if you're carrying a grudge today, I encourage you is to give it away. It's a heavy burden. There's no use carrying a grudge, because we have been forgiven. Carrying a grudge is like the unmerciful servant. Wickedness. It separates us from our Heavenly Father. But we still live with forgiveness because of faith in Jesus Christ. I encourage you this day, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen.